0: The Lord be with you. It's great to be back here tonight. And I want to share with you from the third letter of John. Um, I, I was looking at the first word of the uh, of the little letter. It's a very short letter. And um, the very first word we, we say in the, our regular translations here, the elder to the beloved Gaius whom I love in the truth but um, you could <laughs> translate that, instead of elder, you could say, from the old man. And maybe I feel like that as I address you. From the old man, I've been around, and it's to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. And then in verse 2, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. And that, that will be enough. It's that second verse especially that I'm looking at, which is a prayer. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But let's call it prayer for the moment. It's a prayer. And he sums it up very concisely. That in all respects, you may prosper be in good health just as your soul prospers. That, that prayer has fascinated me over the years. And um, you might, if you've been around the last 70 years, you might have heard me preach on it. <laughs> but um, I'm coming to you fresh. Uh, this has come alive to me in the last week. And so I, I want to look at this prayer that the old man, John, wrote to this man, Gaius. And you see, when we look at a person's prayer, and, and don't get um, embarrassed, I'm not watching your prayers, but it's a simple fact. Uh, when When you hear a person's prayer, then that has revealed to us a lot about the person the way that we pray reveals um it, it reveals the god we believe in if you understand the way you talk to him the way you relate to him uh in terms of what you expect of him in terms of how bold you are in asking all of that which is all within how we pray tells us really what we believe concerning God. What do we believe him to be? Who is he? Do you understand? Um, and what we believe then, you see, belief is not something that is just, well, I believe in Jesus. Believing into Jesus means that I've entered into his mind, and I'm recognizing that he is my life. And therefore what we believe is in fact the rudder that guides all our living. All our living, the way we talk, the way we expect, the way we we look at circumstances in this present moment, everything in life, it, we don't have to think about it. It just that's what we believe concerning God, and therefore this is the way we talk about life. And certainly when it comes to praying, that is true. And, um, so th- this is what John, this now very old man, um, believed. And it just comes out so simply, this is a letter. If you've got your Bible open, you'll see that in many Bibles, the entire book doesn't take up a page. It's just a letter, it's something he would shoot off to somebody. Um, I suppose it's in the area of an email, or maybe even a text. It's not very long at all, and he's he's writing it and hoping for the day soon that he'll see the the man, Gaius. And so um, you're really getting the raw John. This this is what he believes and. Uh, He's just letting it out. And I am certain that as he wrote this quick letter to Gaius, he had no idea that 2,000 years later, you and I would be talking about it. And so I look at the letter and I see John. And I see, first of all, how he understands this God he speaks to, how how John looks at what he's praying for. You see, you can't pray something for someone if you do not believe that this is the way you are with the God you worship. You, you understand? Well, if, if if you do pray for stuff that is is not in your own experience, then you must have a terribly dead prayer time. You know, it's... If if I... He, he says here, let me put it, let me put it. He, he begins by addressing Gaius as beloved. And then in the same line, whom I love in the truth. And then when he comes to, he's going to tell Gaius what he's praying for, he begins it by, again, beloved. And actually it could be uh, translated as, oh my my beloved it's a little stronger than just beloved and when you realize that that he's not only addressing gaius with those words he is saying them out from his own experience you understand i cannot say to you that you are the beloved of god if I believe about myself that I am the rejected and abandoned of God, you, you understand, I speak to you out of my own experience, and, and I mean, there are some people, and I won't even address them, who, who say that it's selfish if you pray for yourself, dear Lord, dear Lord, um, we, we just leave that, um, <laughs> he loves me, God loves me. And I know that to the depth of my being. And everything I share with you is because I've known it for myself. And anything I pray for you, it's because I prayed that for myself. You understand, I hope. No, this is true of, of John. He speaks out of the fullness of knowing who he is. And therefore, when the prayer begins, Beloved, or O Beloved One... He's describing this this abundant relationship that he has with the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. He knows that he is the beloved of God. And the more he knows it, the more he knows you are the beloved of God. For we are in this in a glorious togetherness. He so loved the world. He so loved the world and therefore, if he loves me and I've discovered the depths of that love, then I can assuredly say the same to you. And so it begins with that. Uh, actually, in his first letter, 1 John, and in chapter 3, verse 1, he he's overwhelmed with that, and he uses the word behold. Um, some of our modern translations have watered that down to just see and, no, the word behold, it's an old English word, I'll grant you, but it means to look with open mouth. Wow! It's bug-eyed. It's behold. That's the meaning of the word. And, and, and so he says, behold! How great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. And I think a few weeks ago I talked about that, how great are, uh, and why, again, they still translate it like that, I don't know. The word in the original language is what exotic love. It's, it's as if you found an orchid growing in the tundra of Alaska with all the frost that, that that never leaves, and, and there there is growing an orchid, and, and you say, what what kind what what kind of flower is this? You don't belong here. You you're not native to Alaska. What manner of flower is this? Well, that that's this word here. It, it says, behold, what kind of love is this? What what. We, 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 this is not natural to humans. This is this is God love, but planted right smack in the middle of us humans. Behold, what what manner of love? What exotic love? What foreign kind of love the Father has bestowed upon us? That's where he's coming from. And when when he, he speaks to Gaius, that that's how he's speaking. You are Gaius. Nestor, you, you're beloved. You're 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 much loved, beloved of the Father, even as Jesus is loved. Hmm. Did you catch that? You see that there, there's no tears in the love of God. Wouldn't say tears. I don't mean tears. I mean. Um, you know, one tier upon another. It's like balconies. It goes up one on top of the other. And I, I've got the impression some people think that, well, when the Father loved Jesus, that was, you know, super wonderful love. Um But when he loves us, well, that's a bit less than that. No, there is only one God love. There's only one agape. God cannot love more. Agape just is. And therefore, when the Father looked at Jesus and loved him, and when Jesus said the Father loves him, when the Father said, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Well, that's the same, the self-same love that is for you in this moment. I address you as beloved, the beloved of the Father who is now loving you in Christ with the same love that he loves the Son. And the Holy Spirit loves you with the same love of the Father and the Son. And that's the Holy Spirit that right at this moment is dancing within you and resonating and responding and saying, yes, 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 yes. Have you ever thought about that? You you are the truly beloved child of the Father in Christ Jesus, and and when that's your daily reality, then you can look at the persons for whom you pray and, and pray for them as the beloved. Makes a whole difference in prayer. Let me tell you. And when you look at your neighbor, and your neighbor might not know anything of this, but you know that he too, unbeknownst to himself at this point, is the dearly beloved of the Father. This is the reality. And and when I know this in myself, then I can become the sharer of it with others in prayer. So... We can declare this, we can recognize this is so. And because of that, well, see, it changes everything, doesn't it? See, if prayer is sitting like a miserable religious beggar on the side of the road saying, Oh, have mercy on me, well, <clears throat> that's. I, I just tell you, if you do that, it's nothing to do with New Testament praying. New Testament praying is rather. Uh, leaping along with the Spirit, your guide, in, in, into the great treasure house of the Father and and, and saying, take it, take it, take it. The, 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 this is your inheritance. If you know you're the beloved of God and if you know those for whom you pray and talk to are too the beloved of God, then you, you are free. What a Freedom! There's no hanging your head. There's no lack of eye contact. You're not making all those silly statements to God that you're worthless and unworthy, no good. No, 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 no. If you do, let me introduce you to Jesus because Jesus is God in our flesh and says, look at me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he is the one that continually forgave and dismissed sin and called us into this incredible fellowship with himself and the father and 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 therefore for yourself and concerning everyone that is loved of you then i say you can make a withdrawal upon the bank of the riches of god which is what we call prayer and so these requests on the heart and on the lips of John reveal to us the God that he knew, and and, and the God he shared his life with. Huh. Then, do, do you realise that goes on to pray this prayer? And did you really hear it as I was praying it? It's see, it, it, it's quite that in all respects. See, that that would cover the totality of your your being, all respects. that is your, your uniqueness in your core spirit um, as, as a person who knows the Father, Son and Spirit. But all respects, it means also your mind, the way you think. it, it means your emotions. It means your imagination. It means every cell of your physical body. So it means all your relationships and it means every minute of what you call your work, whether in office or factory or work with hands, work with mind, the whole gamut of work. It takes in, if you're a student in college, universities, it takes in Totally. Everything. In all respects. And the word there is just what I've told you. It means all respects. But in all of those areas, every area from your innermost knowing, of this incredible God, all the way through to relationships and home and and neighbors and fellow workers with you and fellow students, that everything, it says, that you may prosper. Hmm. Haven't heard that word in church for some time. May prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. What a prayer. It takes in the totality of our life, from the depth of our core spirit to our mental, emotional, physical, societal, my life. And he says that you may prosper. That... that Well, do you see what I said in the beginning? It shows the God that you know and worship. If you can ask God to do that, then you are saying it's a presupposition that the God you know in the face of Jesus is one who loves us, not in a vague spiritual sense, whatever that means, uh, but he loves me. He loves you, and me takes in all my relationships. Me takes in all the little stuff I do in the house. It even takes in what I do in the garden. Me, in all my expression. It certainly takes up what I do in my job, whatever that is. It takes in all my hobbies. It takes in all my play. It takes in all of fun and playfulness in life. And now he says it takes in all of my health that that too would be in sync with this blessing that is upon everything else I do. And all of it would sink in with our fellowship with him as our soul prospers. Well, do you remember that, again, that John wrote in First John? In fact, the first verses of his epistle. Um, he's, he gives a rather lengthy introduction. He says, what was from the beginning? What we've heard, what we've seen with our eyes, what we've looked at, touched with our hands. And he said, I'm talking about the Word of Life, capital W. He's speaking of Jesus. And he said, and the life was manifested, we have seen, we testify, we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father was manifested to us. What we've seen, what we've heard, we proclaim to you also that you too may have fellowship with us. So he is saying, we have seen God in our flesh, God the Son, we've met him, we've touched him and we swear to you this is so and this is life knowing this Jesus and he says so I'm I'm telling you that he says so that you might have fellowship with us that you might commune with us you might connect with us we'll all be on the same page and you'll know and indeed he says picking up again he says indeed our fellowship This communion, this camarade, this joy of being together is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So he said, we live our life in this fellowship, our entire life, our entire being, the totality of our existence. We live in this tight fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Jesus And he said, I'm writing this so you can get in on this. He said, I want your eyes to be opened. So he says, these things we write so that our joy, yours and mine, might be made complete. You see, your true Father, your true Father, the one out from whom you came in the beginning of the beginning, your true Father, your real dad, who you met in the face of Jesus Christ. Do you know he doesn't have a negative thought about you? Do you realize that when we say he loves you, that love has got flesh on it. I mean, it's not just some vague, wispy idea that floats through your head. No, if he loves you, here John says... His desire is that you prosper in the daily humdrum existence of the journey of our life. It isn't that you'll prosper if you're in ministry, you say, No, he says, just who you are. And obviously, Gaius was a businessman. And so John is is praying, and he's praying in accord with the God he knows God to be. That, because God is fascinated with your life, loves you in the insignificant details of your life, because of that, I can pray that that you you will prosper there because god's really into your life he's He is absolutely into what you do for hobbies and how you spend your time is really into your work and your studies and therefore he really wills and desires that you prosper there wow now that that makes my daily life totally other than everything the world and in our culture looks at it um because the, our world, if they believe in God at all, believe he's separated. Um, I, I remember a witch doctor in Africa when I was trying to explain to him the gospel, actually. But I, I wanted him to tell me where he was coming from, because you don't give answers when there were no questions. And so uh, I was asking him how do you speak to the Most High God, which would be the closest we can get to a to the real God, because they have so many gods and they, they have so many demonic powers and so on. And so I, I said, the Most High God. How do you talk to him? And his immediate response was, you don't. He said, he's not interested in you. He's far too involved with other more important things He doesn't care about you. He's indifferent to you. Well, when I come into Western civilization, I find really, they may be not so bold about it, but they might as well be, that God is not concerned with my little life. And people's conception of themselves when it comes to God and these things of which we speak, they They really think of themselves as insignificant. And of course, religion has taught us always bend your back, lower your head, bang your chest and say, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy, I'm no good. Well, that's not a good beginning of a relationship, is it? (laughs) And and, and so when it comes to life, well, I, I don't care what you do on Sunday, when it comes to living life, where the rubber hits the road, most people believe it's a sort of game of chance. We're a bit of slow here because I want you to think about this. How do you think about everything you're going to do tomorrow morning um or what's happening tonight? I mean, is it just chance? Think about that. Did you just have an odd thought and did whatever you did even tune into this program uh. I, I, is it that our days are like the roll of a dice in Las Vegas? You know, came up sixes today. We had a good day. We had a good day, you know. And then somebody who is a little more bold would say, we had a lucky day, you see. And I don't know if you realize it, but in, in the days of the New Testament, the Romans, the Roman people, um, they worshipped a goddess called Fortuna. And that translates into English as Lady Luck, and it's not interesting. So I guess Las Vegas is a vast temple to Lady Luck, a goddess that the Romans were a demon goddess, you know, um, and all of that world of luck that comes right down to the uh, local uh, corner store, you know, it, it's that's where people live. Life is luck. Christians don't say that; they just say we had a good day, Um, and 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 so then we we use the expression "have a good day," which is a very wonderful thing to say. If if we could mean that there is a person whose name is good, and and, but there you see it's uh, we use it if anything nice happens. Where I say, "What a coincidence! What a what a coincidence!" Which means we're saying how chance arranged it well so that, that you know chance can't arrange anything that's why we say chance which means beyond arrangement It's just a no you see what what this prayer is telling me that there are no coincidences none that there's no such thing as a lucky day we do not live in a world of chance that's what the prayer if if i believe any of what i've just said i can't pray this prayer this prayer says that someone who is revealed to us in the face of Jesus, the Father, and Jesus' Son or exactly the same as the Father, in the Holy Spirit is vitally, willfully, delightedly involved in every significant moment, even if we call them insignificant. Coincidence? No. What, what's the word? Coincidence. 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 So that's two instances, code brought together. Well, if that's going to happen, there's got to be a director somewhere around. This isn't just a, a massive chance and suddenly we slam in to something or some person and say, what a coincidence. No, there was a director there. Some, you know, if, if you're. you're you're going down the highway and you 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 see all the cars stopped and in a cross street and and you can go straight on through. so what a coincidence All those cars stopped just as I was going through wasn't a coincidence There was a policeman there saying to the others, "Stop so he can come through Not a coincidence You see what a coincidence when I heard that music, all the violins all started playing at the same time, and it was so beautiful the way they'd ca- that wasn't a coincidence. There was a ba- there was a conductor. You say who said, "Come on in." There's a conductor in your life, and his name is Love. Love became flesh and dwelt among us in Jesus. And we go blindly through life without any realization that this triune God, who has come to us in God the Son. The face of Jesus Christ. He is... What is it that we're talking about? It it is that life in Jesus Christ entrance into the world. You see, it wasn't that you just won't go to hell. Please, will you stop talking about the future and get down to the present moment? Right here, right now, is what Jesus came to transform. And and the church is like selling insurance on the future. I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's not insurance. It's a very person who now dwells in you and is up to his earlobes in your life, loving every minute of it. It's a new level of living we recognize. Uh, and not all in, in what you might call a spiritual way. You know those people, they, that funny look on their face and, and, and talk in a funny voice about God being with them. Well, I'm sure, yes, I know he is, but would you stop trying to make it something unnatural? This is just getting up in the morning, stretching, yawning, putting your feet on the floor with the absolute confidence that I am in Christ, who is in the Father, and the Father and Christ Jesus in me, and we're all in the Holy Spirit. And now let's go and have breakfast. I mean, it's, do you understand? He is vitally involved in our daily details and the journey through life. And because it just is so, now careful here, but I'm going to say it, we take it for granted. Normally that phrase would be, and I would use it as a, no, some things you shouldn't take for granted, but there is a sense also you should take for granted Because this is so, and is so, and is so, and always is so. And therefore, in a beautiful way, almost as an act of worship, I can take it for granted while my heart dances for joy before God and never forgets it's His initiative and love that make it to be taken for granted. But I want you to understand this. And somebody says, well, I'm I'm a backslidden Christian, therefore I can't take that for granted. Of course you can. What What do you think God is that you backslid? And he said, oh, well, that's another one gone. Well, what kind of God do you worship? If you backslid, he backslid with you. He loves you too much to leave you. He came into your wilderness. Isn't that what shepherd did in parable? The shepherd went where the sheep was and wouldn't leave until he came out with the sheep. So you backslid. Well, he came with you and he's sitting right beside you with his arm around you and says, so I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, we'll come out of this. See, so he never leaves you, it doesn't matter. You say, I made all these mistakes. Well, who doesn't? But the, the, the wonder of this love of God, this, this conductor, this one who is organizing, he takes our worst mistakes and weaves them into his eternal plan. You realize God is on your side. He loves you. He likes you. And so when I pray this kind of prayer, that in all respects we might prosper, we're declaring our rock faith in the triune God who is love. He is good. And He's, he's love and He's good in every moment, wherever I am, to whomever I speak. He's kind. And did you know the meaning of the word kind? We, we use it, but do, do you know it's got a meaning to it? The word kind means useful. Yeah, you heard me. Useful. It means the love of God right down there in these insignificant details, and he, in his love, is serving us with being useful to us. <laughs> Interest in the minute details. When he says he's Father, he means it. He watches over you. He cares for you. Not just when suddenly everything's going wrong. I mean 24-7. He is pro-you. If God be for us, who can be against us? And he wasn't talking about someone else. He's talking about you. And he's present now in your life. And he's present there present for good for kindness for tenderness for compassion for joy for harmony and peace see what one thing the western world has forgotten about god he's he's friendly he's open you realize I hope I'm not jumping ahead too much here for some of you folk, but you realize Father and Son and Holy Spirit are the ultimate, what what do the kids call it these days, BFF, the best friend forever? Father is not only some solemn God is love. He's, do you realize he's God the Son, Jesus, is his best friend. And the Holy Spirit is the best friend of the Father and of Jesus. So what do you think when Jesus takes us into this relationship, this fellowship with the Father and the Son, we become the BFF with with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? If that's too much, then put it on the shelf, but that is absolutely true. Maybe I'll spend an hour sometime telling you how I know it's true. He's fascinated by our insignificant lives. You know, have you you noticed the questions Jesus asked? When he really knew the answers, but he questioned because he was fascinated with how we saw our lives and he wanted to hear from us what had happened. Just the same way as when your little daughter or granddaughter comes and and sits on your lap, and you say, "Well, what happened at school today? You, you jolly well know what happened." But do you want to hear it out of her little lips? Do you think God is any different to that, or do you worship some monster that just gazes at you with anger? No, He places an enormous significance on the details of our daily living. We we call them mundane you know or God forbid we call it secular which said uh, that's a word which means where we, we've uh, we cut God out God doesn't is not there no there's no such thing as secular there's no such thing as mundane your life in its minutest detail is, is part of the activity of agape the divine love in our lives uh, and how is all of this well the be, the beginning of the gospel is the incarnation uh, i i know we we want to leap straight to the cross and say the gospel begins with jesus died for you and i say time out who was jesus because whoever dies on the cross changes the whole message of the cross And and I go all the way back then to the Incarnation. In fact, I'll go before the Incarnation, that Jesus, Son of God, Creator, the one we hear in Genesis 1. And then in Colossians 1.15, it says, in him all things consist or hold together. He's the glue of creation, which means before anything else happens, he's already got an immediate relationship to everything in the universe, and that includes you just because he created you, he's the one who holds the atoms of your being together. But then that God, God the Son, became human. In the womb of the Virgin Mary, he assumed our humanity. And then it's more than that, it says he became flesh, which is the word for our broken humanity. And then it says he became sin. God entered into the very heart of our darkness and our brokenness. And right in the middle of that announced his love and his forgiveness, announced the light of who he really was. And he is the life that shatters death and darkness. But he came right inside of us. And you say, well, then he went away. No, 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 no. The incarnation is unending. He never, ever shucked off his humanity, his body, like a used old tire. No. Right at this microsecond in which I'm sharing with you, Jesus In his humanity. A humanity indeed now risen from the dead. A humanity that has no death possible. But humanity. He is the man, Jesus, who sits at the right hand of the Father. That's why you can be joined to him. That's why he can be in you and you in him. God became one of us. God joined himself to us in order from coming into the heart of us that he might take us in himself to the Father. But you see, in becoming one of us, he became one of our, what did you call it, mundane lives? What did you say, secular job? (laughs) So God had a job where God was not allowed guess there is no secular god became carpenter god worked nine to five in fact in those days a lot more than nine to five it's a mess and you say well that what no it isn't was he is that's the god that we love that's the god who calls us his beloved that he is right now immersed. He's very used to having breakfast, you see. He's very used to having dinner and going to bed at night. He's used to, God's used to that because of the incarnation. He became one of us and entered into our little lives. He's very used to getting up with the sun, and going and preparing his tools and his wood and He's used to being taxed. Did you know that? He was taxed at every level. Did you know he was used to having rough customers come? He was used to going to school. Did you know that? Because when he was a child, he went to the synagogue school. Would you like to have been his teacher? (laughs) But what I mean is, can, can you find anything in life that you don't find the footprints of Jesus there? Our entire physical, material, social. Jesus went to weddings. I know you don't because you're a Christian, but Jesus went to weddings. Did you get it? He danced at weddings. Good Lord, he turned 180 gallons of water into wine at a wedding. He had picnics on the side of the Galilee. We call it the feeding of the 5,000. But it was a picnic they had on a spring day morning. Afternoon, (laughs) rather. Is this your God? That he's entered into our world in the incarnation? And yes, entered into our deepest darkness within it so that he would be the opening of our eyes and his shed blood would release us from our sins. Yes, yes, yes. But don't leave out what he was saving. He wasn't just saving some bit inside of you. It was a sort of invisible something, your spirit. No, he was saving your body. He was saving your mind. He was saving all that your world is. He is fully joined and united with us. Right at this moment, right at this moment, in me, my life, in this conversation we're having, in your life and your society, he is the image of God in you. You say, well, I know he's with me. Oh, here you go again. You have to put in the with, don't you, as a separation. See, If he's with me, the way you said it is that I'm sitting here and he's sort of with me in that vague way out there in... What's happening? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that he is inside of you who are inside of your circumstance and you are meeting him not only in how you're experiencing the circumstance, but you're meeting him in the circumstance so that you are one great, big, glorious hug fest. You in him he in you, and you in him, in the circumstance and the circumstance in him. And all of that so utterly natural, with no lights around your head or funny looks in your eye or no shazam moments, because that's the way it is. As normal as breathing. It's what Jesus said. Read John's what is it, Thirteen, fourteen, especially 14, where it says, I in you, you in me, I'm in the Father. Uh, this is Christianity 101, as it was understood in the New Testament and early centuries of the church. It means that in every situation is where you are constantly discovering who he is in you and who you are in him. The incarnation, you see, God joining us in the person of Jesus, means that God is not up. But that would change our conversation, you see. God up. So I've asked thousands of people, I suppose, over the years in the West here, um, where is God? And even they say up, up. Well, if he's up, he's not here, you see. It's the devil's blindness to keep God away. He's up there. But his name is Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God intimately with us. And Jesus said, with means now he's in you. So he's not separated. He's not up. He's not even here or here. He's in me and I am in him He's inside his creation, united with the human race. He is not his creation. He is not me. I am not him. And yet we are so utterly one without being absorbed into each other. So I have become more fully me than I have ever known. As I've discovered him as I've never known before. And him in me, and me, in him... I I become an enhanced human, which is I'm supposed to be. That's my glorious, natural, normal. So go to the Gospels, and you see Jesus walking in our world, and you see him entwined with other humans, with their needs, with their joys, with their pain, and realize that that Jesus... Ascended is now actually dwelling in you and your life through the Holy Spirit. Do you remember Proverbs three, where it says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Um, acknowledge is a good word. But to really understand it, do you see, if you write it down, right at the heart of that word is the word no, you remember? Uh, Acknowledge, A-C, then K-N-O, no, and then L-E-D-G-E. So, ack and ledge, (laughs) and in the middle is no. To acknowledge him is to know him. Know the Father, in the Son, in every person you meet. You see, he loved the world, and, and every person in all of time found that Jesus in them was the glue that held them together. But now, having brought the human race this gift of salvation, which is himself, I, I meet him, I meet God in every person. They are blind. That's the essence of sin, blindness. Blindness darkness but but I can see I can see Father working with them, Father working in them I, I meet I meet all that happens it's not just some happening, I, it's the arena where I meet him and I meet him while at the self-same moment he is my life so he's there when I think, he's a partner in my thinking, he's sitting there inside my imagination. For me to live is Christ, and that's in Scripture. You know, approaching life like that is the wisdom that causes the whole road to open up ahead of you. Or, as this prayer said, prosper. Um, now, that's what it is. In fact, the word, He shall direct your paths, it means in the Hebrew language, He will smooth out your Yet You'll have a peaceful journey in life. And of course, then the peace that you experience in life is not based on everything going your way. It's not based on the ease of the journey, but it's based in a divine ease, the the peace of God. As you know, he is in me and he's in what is happening to me. And he is the very way, the path on which I walk. In all your ways acknowledge him, know him. Know him seeing in yourself, meeting him in the circumstances. But know, as we've discussed before, it's an intimate, first-hand relationship, which is not know about, please. It's not knowing about. No, never is that in the Bible, because that's a terrible thing just to know about things. No knowing means an intimate, personal, first-hand relationship. Recognizing and knowing that He is there in all your ways, in all persons, in the event, and even the nature of the pathway. To see this moment is a God event. And again, I say, but it be so natural. I say, no, so natural, because God is very natural. We've invented that monstrous God that can't stand the sight of you, and and so we we made him beyond natural. He's just up there, up there, beyond us. But God said, I am so natural. I can live in your body, in, in Jesus the Son. He could live in that body. He can do carpentry and still be God the Son. Do you get it? God, so natural. They lived with him in Nazareth for 30 years, and when he said he was the Messiah, they said, Who do you think you are? You've got to be crazy. We know who you are. You're the carpenter, for goodness sake. Don't get any big ideas. Can you imagine saying that to God? But they could, because God is so natural, he can be lost in a crowd. He's my father, he's my dad. And and I meet with him in the face of Jesus, who, who is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, who became us. And I meet him because the Holy Spirit is forever shining light on his face and light on the face of Jesus and light into my heart. And that, please hear me, is so natural. It's so normal that's what we were created to be it's sin that has made us abnormal sin has made us subnormal so that when we see normal we think it's something else but this this is life so you see this prayer that john prayed is not trying to get god involved see if you don't know that he's God incarnate who loves us and likes us and he's pro-us, well, if you don't know that, then I guess we've got to get him involved, make him a lot of promises, and he seems to like us, not liking ourselves, and so tell him we hate ourselves and that sort of thing. And that we expect God to somehow get involved if we get religious enough. But that's not prayer. Prayer it begins by recognizing he is involved He's involved in every detail. My prayer arises from his already total involvement in that which is now my concern and cause of prayer. hes I'm waking up that he's here now because he's here, then I can pray my prayer and, and Therefore, if he's already there, he's the one that inspired me to want to talk to him about this, and he's the one that shows to me what he's up to here, so I can join my voice to his voice and my desire to his desire. Do do you get it? I'm acknowledging him, and that's the basis of prayer. Prayer is not sitting in the gutter asking God for a dime— it's sitting down and having a wonderful talk with him about life and he, he's in it and he knows it far better than you do and he shares his desires and his desires become your desires and we prayer is saying, hey, let's do this together. And he says, amen. See, that's praying in the name of Jesus. See, praying in the name of Jesus is not just tagging his name on the end. Actually, to pray in the name of Jesus, you don't need to say so. Because it's all about attitude. In the name of Jesus is the attitude. It is that I am inside of Jesus. And Jesus is inside of me. And this is what I know the Father and Son are doing. And so I've joined the conversation. And I express my desire in line with their desire. Hmm. We revel in his presence. We revel in it. So in everything we give thanks. Now that doesn't mean that everything that happens in life is without opposition, in enemies and pain. We're not. See, I said this is all normal. So you don't think that God's going to suddenly zoom into your life and you know wipe out. There's going to be no but no enemies, no pain. No, no. Didn't do that in in Jesus when He was walking on our planet, but this is this is this is this is prosperity. And then, in the face, right in the face of all outside pressure, negative pressure, you have prosperity in every minute of your life. You have wholeness of body to complete the purpose, and the reality of your inner being is all wrapped up in him who now in you, and we walk right through the opposition with a peace that passes understanding, with a joy that is unspeakable, with the strength of God in you. Do you understand me? The the opposition was there, but prosperity is that I had an inner strength. I didn't derive prosperity of life from outside of me. I am prosperous because he who is the ultimate prosperous is inside me, my life. And we walk this life so together that it's more than alongside, I in him and he in me. Now, now sometimes he does intervene. And I mean, he really does. And there are ugly situations that never come to pass because he intervened. And it was an obvious move of love on our behalf. Well, give him thanks. But you see, there are other times that we're walking through it, and there's all this opposition and pressure. And have you noticed, it's usually afterward. You look back and you realize, how did I do that? Have you ever been there? And and where did that peace go? At the time, you hardly realized it because it it was your peace. That's it, you see. It's he, but it's you. And he infuses his peace, with, and it's your peace. And afterwards you say, well, well, Do you know in all of that situation I had peace, isn't it? In fact, I, I had joy. Have you ever been in a situation from Sarah, you're in, you're in, you're in, with, with very nasty people and you found a love, a compassion, a tenderness? Where did that come from? But again, we usually recognize it after the fact. And the patience, you got through that, you where did that patience come from? You get what I mean. I say again, this prosperity changes um, slightly in different angles. There's many facets to this diamond. And so, yes, um, sometimes he might remove things, do things, but other times... He is your life to the point where you don't need them to be removed. You're handling it. You're going through, and you're doing what you can't do. And you come out the other side unscathed. You remember it says that you'll go through the floods, but you won't drown. Go through the fire, but you won't be burned. Well, that's it. That's it. He shares his peace. He gives us his joy. Hmm. At other times when there's pain we feel his comfort. We feel his tender care. I'll even go as far as saying we experience his kisses of love upon our face. And all this happens day after day at most ordinary natural level. We are natural in his natural. You don't walk around with the Bible under your arm to prove that you're one with God. Or do you have a great big badge on your shirt to say, I am a Christian? Oh, no. You just, people laugh at you, that's all. No, you work, you play, you eat, you sleep. And you do so with the quiet realization in the normality of your beautiful life but it's all because of him who is your life. And because you know that, you can pray this prayer that John prayed. And that was my introduction because we haven't even got to the prayer yet. So guess what? We'll be back next week to look at this prayer and see how it applies to all of our life. But right now, I declare this prayer over you that you, beloved of God, the precious of God, I declare it over you this night, that you be blessed, that you be blessed in all respects, in every detail of life, that you may prosper, that you may be in good health, that you may be healed to health if necessary, And that all will be in sync. You shall prosper as your soul prospers. And so I bless you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that's the way it is.